0: The word of our Lord from the Gospel of John. So Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and will go in and out and find pasture." The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life, and that they may have that life more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. Therefore, my Father loves me. I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. This command I have received from my Father. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would bless the reading of your holy gospel to us, your people. We pray that you would open our ears, open our eyes, and open our hearts to what you have for us. We pray all this in the name of your Son, the Good Shepherd. Amen. Sheep need a shepherd. A shepherd provides a number of things for sheep. He provides leadership. He provides food, water. He provides a defense and some correction for the sheep. As their leader, as their owner, it is his job, his responsibility to care for them. They are entrusted to his care, they are his own. They need his provision and they need his protection. And so that's why there's a shepherd, because sheep need a shepherd, they need one to be with them. They need one to care for them. They need one to provide for them. They need one to protect them. They need a shepherd. In the background of this text, there lies a problem. And that problem is a problem that David read about this morning from Jeremiah's prophecy. Israel's shepherds in the Old Testament had failed. Their leadership over God's flock had been a disaster. This this lies in the, the distant memory of Israel. And when they hear Jesus proclaiming Himself to be this good shepherd, they know what He's alluding to. They know what He's reminding them of. Because in the end, Israel's shepherds had only served themselves. They enjoyed the honor, the dignity of their office. They liked the name, the power that came with being Israel's shepherds. Yahweh's appointed men, Yahweh's leaders for his people. But they had failed, they missed the mark of their calling. And Yahweh, through His prophet Jeremiah and through other various prophets in the Old Testament, declares that He will punish those shepherds because they have served only themselves. They have neglected their care of the flock. It was the shepherds who were responsible for Israel being led into Babylonian exile. It was for failure of leadership. In the background of this text, there's also an attempt that was made to correct this problem. Israel coming out of Babylon, coming out of exile, which, by the way, Israel was the only nation in the ancient world to maintain its national identity, to maintain its own culture, and to actually come out of exile. Israel's the only one. But coming out of exile, they thought, okay, we know what led us into exile. It was sin. It was failure to keep our covenantal relationship intact with Yahweh. It was failure to keep His law, to to follow His instructions. And so what we're going to do is we're going to establish a new system to protect ourselves against breaking Yahweh's covenant with us. That's why there are the Pharisees in the Gospels. That's why you've got all this discussion of the synagogues and the rabbis. They were not inherently bad. The synagogues was where Paul first began proclaiming the Gospel. He would go to new towns and would visit the synagogues all throughout the Roman world, would, would meet with the rabbis, would share the gospel that Christ, the Messiah, this man, Jesus of Nazareth, had come and he was God's appointed and God has, 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 has made true on his promises to rescue his people. Jesus was called by his followers, Rabbi or Rabboni, in Aramaic So when you read about the Pharisees in the gospels you've got to keep in mind that these were not these were not simply self-serving people they were awfully self-serving but they were established as leaders in Israel to keep the flock in check To keep the flock moving in the right direction. And so if Yahweh's laid out these laws that are a part of our covenantal relationship with Him, and we broke those laws, and therefore we're taken into exile, how do we make sure we don't break those laws again? Well, we surround those laws with a big wall. A wall of other laws. We don't want to break these, so let's be sure not to even get near them. And so let's impose for ourselves other laws around them. And as time would pass on, 400 years later, you have a a fully functioning system of legalism where the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Sanhedrin and all of the priestly leaders throughout Israel have this system nicely in place of how you are to worship God, what it looks like to live in relationship covenantally with God. Jesus, why aren't your disciples washing their hands the appropriate amount of times before they eat? Jesus, why in the world... Are you healing this blind man on the Sabbath? Don't you know our rules? As it turns out, this attempt lost sight of the purpose. Of their calling to lead the flock. Again, Israel's shepherds became self serving, self justifying, self empowering, self affirming. The problem was not fixed. Sheep need a shepherd. And so Yahweh's remedy was that he himself would raise up a good shepherd. Out of David, the greatest shepherd king in all of Israelite history, out of David there will spring a branch. And he will be called the Lord our Righteousness. Jeremiah declared, Woe to Israel's shepherds, for they care only for themselves. And so if Yahweh could not find a shepherd good enough to care for His people with self-giving and self-emptying love, then He Himself would come and He Himself would be their good shepherd. Jesus identifies himself as that good shepherd. There there is absolutely no escaping the audacity of his claims concerning himself. He knew the implications of what he claimed about himself. It's quite evident in John's gospel especially. All of those I am statements. I am the bread of life. I am the vine. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. And here I am the door, and the sheep enter the fold through me, and not only am I the door, door, I am the good shepherd. I am known by my Father, and I know my Father, And I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. They hear my voice, and they know it's me. He knew the implications of what he was claiming. That he was, indeed, God's Messiah. That he was the Holy One that Yahweh was sending. That he, unlike any of Israel's other leaders up to that point, that he was unlike any of them, in that he was the Eternal One. Before Abraham was, I tell you, I am. And so what was the response? They put picked up stones to kill him. Because not only did Jesus himself know the implications of what he's claiming about himself, the people knew, and the Pharisees knew, the competition knew what Jesus was claiming. But this good shepherd is a different kind of shepherd. He's not just a shepherd who happens to be good. The good shepherd is a fundamentally different shepherd. There are a number of ways that Jesus differentiates himself between uh, from the the typical understanding of what a shepherd would be and what a shepherd would do and what a shepherd's priorities were toward his flock throughout this passage. And it goes on throughout the chapter. But there are a few that I'd like to touch on this morning. One difference is that he's looking to grow his flock. And not just so that he can have more sheep. He is looking to grow his flock for the flock's sake and for the sake of the sheep. He tells those who are listening here, he says, look, I've got other sheep that are not of this flock. And there will come a day where I will call them on in and there will be one flock and one shepherd over that flock. Elsewhere, not in John's Gospel, but elsewhere in the Gospel records, Jesus speaks of the the 99 sheep who are safe and secure within the fold of the flock. And the one that has wandered off. And He says, look, the shepherd will go to find that one and bring him home. Jesus is so concerned as the good shepherd with His flock that he is looking to grow it, not just so that he can have a bigger flock, but for the flock's sake and for the sake of the sheep. They need a flock. They need to not be wandering off. It's dangerous out there. They need a shepherd. The good shepherd is a different kind of sheep. He serves the needs of the sheep rather than the other way around. Typically, people keep sheep. They become shepherds so that they can have sheep because sheep meet human needs. You need a coat for the winter and sheep need someone to remove their coat because it tangles and becomes a matted mess. You need food to eat. And sheep are a tasty meal. This is the mindset of most shepherds. The sheep are there for the sake of the shepherd. They meet the shepherd's needs. He serves them so that they can ultimately serve him. But that's not how God works. He didn't create us just so that we could do His bidding. He had the angels for that. He created us in His image so that we might know Him and love Him. I... Like to add on to that so that we might know him, love him, and reflect him. So that others might know him and love him and reflect him. The good shepherd is not concerned with himself, he does not have the sheep just to meet his needs. He lives for the sake of the sheep, he serves. Them, He cares for them. Because the good shepherd is a different kind of shepherd. He really, really loves his sheep. And he is loved by his sheep. The text tells us, I know my own and am known by my own. Now, we, with our our Latin and Western understanding, we hear the word no and we think, ah, information. Mm -hmm. But when a Hebrew hears the word no, they hear, ah, familiarity, intimacy. When Jesus says, as the good shepherd... I know my sheep and am known by them. He's not referring to some list of how many sheep he has and what number is on the tag on their ears. He is talking about a familiarity that he has with the flock. And a familiarity that the flock has with him. He speaks and they know it's him. They are comforted by His voice. They're comforted by His presence because they know Him. And what they know about Him is that He is there for them. That He really loves them. And in return, they really love Him. The good shepherd is a different kind of shepherd. His sheep feast on him rather than the other way around. In John's Gospel, much like at the very beginning of his Gospel, when Jesus turns over the tables... In the temple. And much like also at the very beginning when Jesus turns the water into wine. Jesus is turning things on their head. Turning ideas on their head. In the recent memory of Jesus' disciples is chapter 6 of John's Gospel. It's just four chapters prior. Jesus made an audacious claim about Himself and His relationship to His people, His followers, His disciples, and ultimately the multitudes who were interested in perhaps following Him and perhaps becoming His disciples. He declares, I am the bread of life, the bread that has come down from heaven. I am the heavenly bread. He tells them, What your forefathers ate in the wilderness, that was not the bread of life. They died. But he who eats me will never die. And then he takes it a step further. He crosses the line, the text tells us. And he says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. You see, his sheep feast on him, not the other way around. Let's face it. Not everybody wants this kind of shepherd. We think it's weak. We'd rather have a strong man to lead us. A boss of sorts. What's all this talk about you serving our needs? Now, let's also face it. We do like to be self-served. We we do like when others meet our needs. We do like to live in comfort. We like for others to provide that comfort. But when we're talking about the shepherd, when we're talking about our leader, when we're talking about the man, we think it's weakness when he's here to serve us. Doesn't he realize he's making his position vulnerable? Doesn't he realize that he's setting himself up to be toppled over and be replaced by another? On top of that, we think it's unbecoming of the shepherd to live like this, to be feasted upon, to love and be loved, to serve others, to care about the outsiders. He ought to be above it. This is Peter's issue just a couple of chapters later when Jesus takes up a towel and girds Himself and gets a basin and fills it with water and stoops to wash the feet of His disciples. He comes to Peter and Peter says, God forbid that you'll ever wash my feet, Lord. I ought to be washing your feet. You're bigger than this. You're better than this. This is beneath you. You've got more important things to be doing. You've got greater concerns to be worried about than this, me, my feet. You know, it often takes a truckload of humility. To allow yourself to be blessed by others. Not always, but often. Yeah, there are times where we like to be blessed by others, but there are also times where we feel very vulnerable and very humbled when others are a blessing to us, especially when it was unexpected. You know, because when it's expected, we can prepare for it. We can have something good to say, a nice reply. We hate receiving unexpected Christmas gifts. It's always so awkward. I didn't get you anything. Um, Or perhaps we're quick on our feet and think, I'll have to get yours to you later. And then we're running home, running to the store. And next time we see him, we've got that gift. It's very, very discomforting to us to simply allow others to bless us without a sense of having to bless them in return. It's awfully humbling. And if we're honest with ourselves, we'll admit that we don't often like being humbled. But Jesus insists that unless we humbly allow ourselves to receive His humility, we have no part in Him. He humbles Himself and He says to us as His sheep, these are the terms of me being your shepherd. This is the kind of shepherd I am. And not only that, this is the kind of shepherd you need. That's what he told Peter when he insisted, you'd better, Peter, let me wash your feet or else you're out. There's a line here and you dare not cross it. These are the terms Of me being your Lord. You must let me serve you. That's essentially also what he told the crowds. In the chapters just previous to John 10. He told the crowds. You must eat my flesh. And drink my blood. Or you have no part in me. Fortunately for Peter, his response was, Oh Lord, wash my feet, my hands, my head, wash my whole body, if that's what it takes. I'm not losing out. Unfortunately for the crowds, their response in John 6, verse 66, was to leave and say, This is too much too hard no way i'm out of here jesus after the crowd begins to dissipate and wandering off murmuring to themselves he turns to his disciples as he customarily would do and he says not you too aren't you guys going to wander off as well And Peter, as he customarily did, responds for the whole group of the disciples and says, Lord, where in the world would we go? Only you have the words of eternal life. Essentially saying, so if those words are hard to receive, so be it. We need them. Not everybody wants this kind of shepherd but that's the kind of shepherd he is. He's a different kind of shepherd. He's the kind of shepherd that his sheep need. And there's no escaping it. The question that we're faced with is what do we want? If we are to receive him at all, we must receive him on his terms. What do we want as His people? Do we want a shepherd who calls us to come and feast on Him? Do we want a shepherd who knows us intimately, really, really knows us And calls us to intimately know Him. To really, really know Him. Do we want a shepherd that really loves us? Really puts us first? Really is more concerned with us than he is for himself? Are we willing to let Him serve us? Are we willing to rest like Mary did at His feet and say there's an awful lot to do, but the most important thing is to simply be with the shepherd to listen to His voice? Do we want a shepherd who's more concerned with the people outside these doors than we might expect? Because that's the kind of shepherd that the good shepherd is. He cares about your neighbors whose cars were there when you left to come to church this morning and whose cars will be there when you get back home. You might notice that their yard has been mowed in the time that you've been gone. He cares about them. He doesn't dismissively make snarky comments about them. He cares about them. He wants to be their shepherd. But he's got to have a little bit of PR help. I hate putting it that way. From the sheep that are in his fold who can say, I'm telling you, He's such a good shepherd. He can put life back together. He can fix broken marriages. He can heal old hurts. He can forgive sins. Small and large. What do we want? Do we want our neighbors sitting next to us at church on Sunday morning? Do we want that smart aleck with whom we work at church with us on Sunday morning? Or is it just more convenient to not deal with it? Because the Good Shepherd says, there are others out there and I'm putting together a flock There's to be one flock and one shepherd. He's a different kind of shepherd. He's the shepherd that the world needs, he's the shepherd that we need. Let's pray.